Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, this is Stephanie Megan. You're listening to Broke Girl Therapy. Therapy is too expensive. You're listening to Broke Girl Therapy. 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 All right. Hell yeah. What? Before we start this, I'm going to do my little plug. Okay, okay, okay. 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 Holidays are just around the corner, and if you need something for that one aunt or uncle or funkle or weird person in your family, uncle. please check out BrokeGirlTherapy.com for all the merch. Because therapy is too expensive, but not this merch. It's well-priced, super cozy, and comfy. I'm wearing the sweatpants right and now. And I don't want to be broke anymore. Yeah, Aww. no, you just want to be girl therapy. <laughs> <laughs> But just in time for the holiday season, there are things for ladies, for men's, for non-binary people, unisex, it's all unisex. that great shit. It's for everybody. Yeah, every these are like amazing. Yeah, They're and like really I, I even have just it's not even just like small, medium, large. It's like one x, two x, three x, four x, five x. Your what's it called? You're finally like a Beyonce second round of Ivy Park yes. that now has all sizes. Yes, all sizes. See, I love that yeah. body inclusivity. Exactly. Hell yeah. Yeah. So support your local girl for BrokeGirlTherapy.com for all your merch needs. That's me. That's me. <laughs> okay. Ready for this? Yeah, I am. You Let's, ready for this? I don't Let's even know what the do fuck this. we going to talk about. We just going to talk about our motherfucking problems. Yeah, let's let's Today is going to be a real therapy. Not like a heavy therapy, nah, but it's like some real shit. It's, let's be honest, it's going to be real in the sense that, like, for the first time ever in life, COVID has kind of made the world one great equalizer. We're all in this shit storm together. No matter what, how much money you got. Unless you're like Jeff Bezos and you don't pay taxes and you're a horrible human being and you move into my hometown of Seattle. Anyways. Anyways, hi guys, it's me, Stephanie Megan, your host of Brooklyn Therapy, I guess. What? Rose all day, Macaulay. Yeah. Is on Rose here. all day, Macaulay. I like that. Boom. I'm here. I'm kicking uh, it. You've been on like literally half of the show is just episodes of you. I I like counted. I think you're like, you're definitely more than five this season. Just this season. Well, I mean, you keep asking me to come back. I just love you know? doing this with you. You know what I love though? And I've realized just especially with where our friendship is at now. Like our friendship is literally has been documented Isn't since day one. So cute. That's so cute. I love it. That's our meet cute. And that was like we weren't I wasn't even trying to do that. Like that wasn't like a content that I was trying to have like it just happened so naturally. And like it just our friendship and just who we are individuals just has like grown. And I'm like, yes. I mean, that's why my mom listens to us. She's like, she's like, <laughs> I, I just love, love your mom. dynamic. Shout out to K Dot. K Dot. She's like a a folklore on this podcast now at this point. But yeah, straight up, like it's, yeah, it just is such a great vibe. Mm. And I think it's also one of those things where it's like, one, talking about our subject we're going to talk about, but like it's hard to make friends in LA. And so it was like one of those things where Jaffer like worked with you and was like, yo, my homegirl Rose, because she had literally just in my hair. She was like, she'll be great on your podcast. I think I even checked you out. I checked you out too. 
you, you checked me out. She gave me your stuff. No, I meant like Instagram. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? You, like, like, I think I even like paid, you paid through me, I think. Did you go to the front desk and like, did, was that what? Yeah, actually, that's right. You did check me out. I thought yeah. you meant like, you, <laughs> I know, like, like check on, me out. Yep. Yeah, I checked you out on Instagram before. No, like, like, I was things. working the front desk at that salon. Yeah, we got to talking. Yeah. And you thought it was funny because I was like, oh, I have to do a photo shoot. And I was like using all the free makeup in your like little lobby did you? area. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, Jaffer was like, oh, I want to take photos of the gram. And I was like, I didn't wear makeup. And then I like started going around and oh like, God, was like, so funny. hey, do you have hairspray? And then I was just like, shh. Yeah, it oh was great. Oh, but yeah, you did. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember she came up to the because I was working the front desk at the salon because in L.A. you have several jobs. Hella jobs. Hella jobs. And she comes up and she's just like, you need to have my friend Rose on your show. And I was like okay now you can't get rid of me yeah <laughs> i love it though i'm i'm so i feel like everything happens for a reason and like yeah. i feel like you're we're in each other's lives for for a reason yeah morgan you, know? you couldn't stop us <laughs> no Sorry. man no tell man us, you know no man can stop this love exactly it's a great one i know but yeah but that's how we met though is that we were both kind of artists mm. and struggling in LA. Yeah. And you have this amazing podcast, which I don't actually know the true origin story of like of my show. Yeah. Really? Like I've listened to like not like I haven't listened to the first episode, but I listened to like the point that I was on. Yeah. Um well actually no a few episodes before because Jaffer was like check out the style, see how it is. And I was like, oh I can fucking vibe with this. Right, um, right. And then I, I think I can fuck a vibe. I was like, yeah, I was like, this I can fuck a vibe. I can fuck it. She got she <laughs> dope, yo. So yeah, it was like that. But like, I don't think I actually know the like, like how I started. Yeah, how did you start okay. it? I guess that's true. I never really like fully talked about like it's been it's been a fucking journey, mm -hmm. you know. And I've actually wanted to have a podcast a year before I even started this one. Okay. Um. Originally, oh here in an originally, originally, yeah, originally, no, we're gonna do this. We're we gonna do this. Originally, um, I was actually gonna have a podcast talking about fashion. Oh wow! Because I worked in fashion industry, so I thought like you have great I, style. I, I thank you. I and now I just wear hoodies all the time. I don't. I just keep that's it, a choice. Keep it, keep I mean, low, low. That's you know cute. I mean? It is cute with my thigh highs. Yeah, sorry, I got a grand day. Lamp shading. There we go. That's what they call it. There you go. <laughs> and then so, yeah, so I was going to do, because I was working in fashion. I went to school for fashion. I was working in the fashion industry, which is actually funny because that's like how I met Rachel when I get to that later. <gasps> um, do you, do you, does anyone know no. how I met Rachel? Actually, I don't know. You don't know how I met Rachel? I love origin stories on Friends. Okay, okay, okay. How, okay, so. Oh my God, we're like all over the yeah. place. Yeah, so I met Rachel because, okay, so. I love you, th Rachel. This kind of fits. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to like add that. You guys episode. met at the merch shoot. I know, but we, and and the thing was is that when we met at the merch shoot, they was like we just like talked. I was like, "Hey, girl, yeah, how's yeah, your dude?" Yeah. She was like, "How's your dude?" And then you were like, "You have never actually physically met," and we were like, "Oh my god, hey, what do you mean we haven't?" Because I feel like we talk all right. the time. Anyway, so you yeah, and Rachel. Rachel. So okay, so how I met Rachel was okay. So I was I was working in the fashion industry for this brand. It's a big brand. I'm not going to say their name because they ain't sponsoring and they ain't shit. But, <laughs> Y'all ain't shit. So I was working in the design department. Um, it was I was not designing. <laughs> but I was just like working in, in the, they call it the vintage library. And it was literally all of like their samples and stuff. And I was literally the person in the fucking sample like warehouse, like organizing stuff and pulling stuff for, oh, wow. for designers. Yeah. That's Hell what, yeah. what I was doing. That's dope. Um, and it was just so boring because it was just constantly mm. like organizing 
you know? And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so bored. And I remember my coworker was like, oh yeah, I just, when I'm doing all of that, like I just listen to podcast. And I'm like, what's a podcast? Broco Therapy is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I mentioned before that I went back to therapy and that was the best decision I've ever made because every time I leave a session, I do feel like I just got so much off my chest. I've been suffering with so much anxiety because I feel like sometimes I don't have time. I don't have time to get all the stuff done or I feel like I'm not worthy of doing a good job of the things that I have to do. And I know that stems from a lot of ADHD. So talking to my therapist, she really gives me the space to just vent and have those emotions and she validates that and gives me the tool sets to be able to continue my day and to give me that confidence to remind myself that like I got this. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BrokeGirl today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash BrokeGirl. And so I looked at my phone and I looked up all these podcasts. And I was like, oh my God, wow. And at that time, you know, I was like, oh, my, I want to do one. And I, I thought maybe I could do one with fashion and it just never stuck you know and then I it just didn't feel right because I was like I feel like I'm just putting myself in a box like where I have to like do fashion you know but I sat on it I obviously went through different you know relationships and stuff and realized that I sucked at all of them and I remember like thinking like I honestly I was really bad at that job That's okay. We all are. We have that one job where we thought it was our dream job. And then we realized like, this I wanted awful. to work for that company so badly. So I would literally do anything, anything. So that's why I settled for mm-hmm. a position like that. And so, because I just wanted to, you know, I was working next to, to people that I've admired always admired. And, yeah. yeah. So I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'll, I'll be here, you know, but I hated it and I was not good at it. Let's be real. Uh, <laughs> I feel you. I was not, I was just there just, but I'm grateful for it because like it, it was a job that I would have to like kind of get lost in the clothes mm-hmm. and I realized I hated fashion industry <laughs> and but but I listened to podcasts all the time because it was what kept me going oh yep and I would always look up like relationship type podcasts and there was nothing that ever like stuck to me like I always heard all these really lame ones I was like this one stuck. and this was before like fucking call her daddy and all these all there's so there's so many now back yeah, then there back wasn't then there was nothing there wasn't it was a niche market yes it was like straight stuff like that was like NPR. this is back when obama was still in office so this was a oh. while ago like there wasn't that many like a different time it was a different time so yeah. there wasn't really anything what i was looking for and i remember 
so going to, to, to how I met Rachel, um, I wasn't really friends with a lot of people at that job, but there was this one girl um, that like would always come into my office and she's like, oh my God, girl. And she would tell me all of her boy problems. And her name is Ava. And okay, Ava. Shout out <laughs> to Ava. Ava. And like me and her just always like kicked it, got along. She was like the one person I really like fucked with at that at that job that we also, when I left that job, um, so I started broke therapy while I was there. I'll get to that in a second. But when I left that job, me and Ava still kept in contact and I always just really loved her. So I invited her on the show and that's the, the, the hookup culture episode. And so when Ava came on the show, she promoted it and Ava's best friends with Rachel. <gasps> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And Rachel, as soon as like, Rachel was like, so like since day one, like supported was like, oh my God, I love this show. And like, pr- even like promoted like her friend on it, on her Instagram. She, uh, Rachel followed me. Like I followed her and we were like Instagram friends and we were, we were like, I love her. Like from the moment I met her, I was like, oh, she's dope. She's an angel. Yeah. She's a literal angel. And then, so then like one day I was like, I want her on the show. And she came over, we got drunk and we did an episode. <laughs> So, I love that's that. That's how I met Rachel. But yeah, I mean, I guess going back to like the, the working at that company, like I was just so bored and like sucked at relationships. And I just felt like I was always really anxious mm. on like where my life was going. And oh, at that time that- I was like 24 and I thought I was supposed to have it together. For 24, we think that we're supposed to have it together. See, that's the problem with millennials though. Yeah. Because we have social media. So we see people's successes way too fucking much. And we are uh-huh. like literally bred to be a everyone's a winner culture as oh, well yeah. as the everyone succeeds. Like, and also the comparing, there's constant comparing and it's just like, it's exhausting. But that's like the problem millennials is because we saw people like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and shit like that. Yeah. Millionaires by the time they're 25. Right. And then you see the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Or you see like like, the Disney channel stars, like Demo Lovato (laughs) thriving at 16. And I'm like, why am I not 16 and on Disney channel? Yeah, I wanted to be on Disney channel so bad back then. Aren't you glad you're not? I'm so glad I didn't. You dodged a Disney bullet. I'm like, it's now I'm working in the industry that I'm in now. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, no, yeah. your industry, you know, yeah. all behind the curtain. I know. Now. Yeah, yeah. So but I'm like, like, thank God. Yeah, but like that whole idea that that's you know, but you always wish what you can't have and all mm. that stuff, and it's so annoying right. because we are part of that. I mean, the same way that like I was low key mad at the people. Like I was one of the early, early bloggers on Tumblr, and I just remember being like, "Ah, oh, that's not oh going to be God, anything." I love Tumblr. Yeah. But like the the people that blew up off of Tumblr, and you're like, "Fuck!" I I knew about this one. No mm, one knew about mm. this or whatever. Or like the people who made like careers off of Instagram mm. and MySpace, and you're just like, "Ugh!" But that was yeah, like and problem. that was like the height of like you know, I think influencers and Instagram was like really starting to come up and you're realizing like, oh, people can make money off of this shit, you know? And like the Paris Hiltons, you can be Mm. famous for being famous. Exactly. She is remarkable. She's awful, but she's also a remarkable human. Mm. I watched her documentary. Me too. I loved it. I loved it too. I loved it so much. It made me love her. It did, but it also Not reminded me. I love me her, but maybe like kind of like admire yeah, her. It like, made me actually hate Kim Kardashian more, which was like really? weird. I don't know why, but like watching that, because I was just like, Paris, there's no, there's literally no figure that you can compare Paris or Kim to in history. Maybe no. Cleopatra, maybe Queen Elizabeth, where but it's no, just like this the, figurehead, but they really are famous for started. being famous. They started that. They made it. And so it's like, 
you see that and you can't help but be like, I'm a failure at 22 mm-hmm. when really, you know, now I'm 31 and I'm like, girl, I'm fine. Right. I'm, everything's great. It will happen right. eventually. But I, you know, because I couldn't get it right with men. Yes. So I thought because I didn't have a relationship, it just, I didn't feel validated. Yeah. And because I wasn't like, I was seeing people my age more up in the ladder in their career. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, in the shadows putting samples away and organize you know what i mean like but I then there's that one so person useless. that's like oh my god steph has like a glamorous job in the fashion yeah. industry who you don't you've never met this person and it was like, so not glamorous i used to cry being like this is so uh, annoying and dumb like i really, felt yeah. i felt so empty oh t- trust me i, I felt, had a job like that and i felt devastated but i'm grateful day. for it because that's what kind of pushed me because i felt so like that's the thing like i went to school for fitum i wanted to be in the fashion industry i wanted mm-hmm. to make it i wanted to be next to all these big names people like i wanted to be up there and like when i was there and i was you know like i, I even did after working for that company i did like fashion pr and i was like you know like in in the room full of people who were important yep you know and like still being so fucking empty yeah and was like, I'm, this isn't it. This isn't it, you know? And because that emptiness is you being like, this is my dream job. This is my dream job. And then realizing, no, this in fact is not suck. my dream job. Y'all fucking suck. It's, it's crushing in a weird way. Yeah. It's like you're, that's why I feel like so much coming of age stories happen in your twenties too. You know, the first mm-hmm. one's like when you're in high school, sexual awakening and stuff like that. But in your twenties, it's like the idea that like, oh, I thought I wanted to do this my entire life and it's actually not what That's I That's why I tell do. people who are like in their early 20s so in school like intern for everything. Yeah, don't do intern everything. don't yeah, do do everything. Yes. Like you're you have a little bit of interest in something, go do it. Honestly, it's like it's one of those things where it's like one it's a resume builder and also it gets you into the thing where you're like, "Oh, this is actually what I want to yeah. do." Like I thought I was I was so tunnel vision on doing something in fashion, mm-hmm. even though I didn't really know what I wanted to do in fashion. I was like, I just want to be in fashion. Yeah. And I like it just that. it just and I was in it and I was with important people and I was like this is so stupid I felt so I just felt so fucking empty and like I always knew deep down that I wanted something of my own mm-hmm. I wanted to something that I could relate to something that like fulfilled me mm-hmm. you know and I, I just didn't know what that was I didn't you know I didn't grow up thinking like I want to have a podcast because we didn't know what the fuck a podcast was <laughs> I know you that's know? like the weird it's thing like I didn't, even though when I was younger I have so many home videos of me in front of the camera being like this is my talk show Stephanie's talk show see but that's the weird thing about childhood too where you're like nah man when I was little that's like what I what wanted I to wanted do. do and I didn't realize like that's what I was like I have so many like home videos of me being a friend like the video camera like I would steal my dad's camera and just record myself I had several talk shows I had Stephanie's talk show then I had Stephanie CDs where I would review Britney Spears and and sync and Chris, like all those like we albums. These all those videos. albums I would do a review and then I would sing and dance in front of the camera girl you need to upload these I need to see this shit I need to find it I need to find it for sure Stephanie oh CDs. my god yes you do I did one woman shows so what? like oh yeah I did <laughs> I did a, uh, you know, I have a speech impediment, so I did Snow White and the Seven Drawers, and it was literally me doing the entire. 
entire story of and like literally like it's my aunt uncle and my mom and dad and my sister and they're like laughing so hard and i'm like this is very serious like stop it <laughs> you know and then like i was like <laughs> my sister serious. i was like my sister was like laughing and i was like queer queer don't make me come out here this is my big break i was like this is my big break i gotta make this and then like you know the one I with, like to, is there videos I, I think there's a video somewhere but I there's like a narration and like the witch knocks on the door and i go who the hell that you know i like knew what to say to yeah. like but we need to like swap we home do. videos but like you're so much but your childhood you kind always of got a weird way captivates being a creative you have to feed into that inner childhood because oh, when you're constantly when you're when you're a child that's when you're most creative yes and that's what you'll like i remember i actually like with my like home like the family video camera like i would I would write scripts. I'm like, am I you? I would like write scripts, direct movies and have my brother act. Oh yeah. And then I, I would, that. I would, I even didn't, we did so many different types of music videos and like and movies that I even like put together like an award show. I organized an award show and filmed it and produced everything and like had like okay, Shonda Rhyme. Yeah. Like I even <laughs> had like my dad, like my dad and my, my friends and whatever. And like in the, you know, in the audience and we would even do performances and then I would I put, to, put all the nominees together. Like I literally would do all of that's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. But that's what it is. It's like tapping into your childhood mm -hmm. because like, let's be honest, like kids are amazing little magical, weird creatures that they're like so fucking weird and they're so strange and they're so <laughs> insightful. And like when I was a nanny, like literally kids would say like, you know, they say the darnest things, but like they would say things and I'd be like, wow, that's really poignant for being a five-year-old, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then like slowly by like, you know, society, the world, social media, you know, tablets in front of them, like it kind of like gets broken up mm -hmm. and then like, you know, mm -hmm. you lose that magic. But if you really, you know, tap into so many different things right. you're able to kind of reawaken it but mm -hmm. that's like the most authentic version of creativity is a five-year-old is just right. the kid being like i'm gonna paint i'm gonna do an award show i'm gonna write a play <laughs> i'm gonna like you know do chalk or like whatever right, it is right, right. it's that gets robbed from us so early mm -hmm. on that it's like the thing that saves us yeah and i think that's what i felt when having a nine to five i was like oh i'm supposed to adjust to this lifestyle like I felt like I still was that kid that was mm -hmm. like, I want to put on a award show. I want to like have a, I want to put on a show. Yeah. I want to put a show together. And you did. And I did, you know? And like, I was, I was so fucking bored at work. <laughs> like I <laughs> fucked that job. Like I was so I feel you, girl. fucking bored at that. And I remember even trying to move up and like, I, I couldn't move to different department. Like I was really trying to move up in that in that corporate, you know, world, oh, that ladder, that ladder. Oh. And like, because the company was doing so bad, like they couldn't move people up. So I'm like, I'm working my ass off for a whack ass company. That's and I'm not getting, doing well. And I'm getting good reviews on my work performances and I'm not getting anything. So I just be like, whatever, I'm going to sit here fucking daydream about uh, putting a show together, the, award show. you know, <laughs> the award show. But, but, like, but like I was listening to podcasts. I was like, shit, I'll do a podcast. And I actually, 
I didn't know. I was just like always sitting on these different ideas and names. And I remember I would talk to friends, be like, what, what do I, what should, I don't know what to do. And I couldn't, I, I've had like so many names. I, I think at one point the show was going to be called hashtag relatable. And I was just like, God, I hate that name. And it's an awful name. So bad. <laughs> you, but that's the thing. In order to get to a good idea, you, you go through so many fucking awful ones. People don't realize how many, like as a writer, like my whole, I have a post-it note on my wall that says, don't judge the first draft because it's yeah. literally doesn't know any better. It's a child. It's a baby. It's pubescent. It's just like gross. And like, that's yeah. what it is. You have to like go through a bunch of things to like get to the final idea. Like exactly, you know, you got to brainstorm. I, you got to brainstorm as much as I have my issues with Steve jobs, like in his novel or his, not his novel in his memoir, he like talks about like the way it's not his memoir, but someone else wrote it. But anyways, but his way, the way that they got to the iPhone mm. is that there was mm. a bunch of other shitty ideas first, Yeah, you know, and that's true with any business, any company, you have to like start off with the bad ideas first. And that's like what we do in a writer's room. It's like, right. okay, let's start with bad ideas first. And you give out the that's worst you ideas have to do. Yeah. and you have to get like and through the awful. ugly and stuff. But the thing that I think is so interesting and amazing about you is that you had no experience in podcasts no. other than just being a consumer of them and a mm -hmm. fan of them. Mm -hmm. But like, I literally just was, I watch you every time you set up the mics, you plug in the thingy things. Oh yeah. You, oh, and you learned all that. You taught yourself yeah. all that. Yeah. I That's taught incredible. myself. I would research, um, think, I mean, and also I will say it's a perk dating a lot of musicians. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a so good So they'll teach point. you, like, they've taught me, like, oh, okay, this is how you use GarageBand. This is why it's not. Like, I will say, fuck Charles, man. Fuck Charles. But what's dope about him is that he really taught me how, he taught me a lot about my equipment. And actually, I will say, shout out to my exes, because I have so many of my exes have helped me with the show. Like, my ex um, put made the theme song. Charles helped me, you know, with my equipment. The ex also helped me with the theme song, also helped with equipment sometimes too. Like, it was just like, they would always help in some ways. And also like a good thing, a good thing about Charles is like, he, he introduced me to his friend from back home in Texas. And she ended up being the girl who always takes all my broco therapy photos. So the ones that you see, the one that I have right now with the pink backdrop that's on the merch is, is uh, my wow. friend Mars that I met from my ex. Yeah, that he introduced us and see Ariana Grande. Thank yeah. you next. Thank you next. So I made use of them. Literally, they are they they've helped me put this together. Yo, every person <laughs> that comes in your life comes right. in your life for a reason. Yeah. So, but but besides that, yeah, I've actually um, and it's crazy because I've never talked about this on the show ever. Well, but so when I I started it and I actually had a dream. Um, about the show, and it sounds oh, wow. so it sounds so cheesy to no, say. No, it sounds like, beautiful. Yeah, I actually had a dream, and in that dream, it was like therapy too expensive, broke therapy is too expensive, too broke for therapy. Like I I don't remember what the dream was. I literally do not remember. All I remember is like hearing that and hearing people be like therapy. You just like, remember therapy. the important like, part. <laughs> yeah, the important part. But also, I remember hearing people like support it. And like it Hell being yeah. like a thing, you know? And so I, I didn't know what that, so I, I remember as soon as I woke up, I was like, I wrote it down and I, and originally the show was going to be called Too Broke for Therapy. Um, again, awful name. Uh, 
We got to the great name though. But then I like I looked it up and then and I saw that it was taken and I was like so mad because I was like I know I could do better than them. Why do they have that fucking name? Because I was so <laughs> set on that name. And so again, I I actually still have this notebook, but I was brainstorming like therapy, two book for therapy, broke a uh, broke girls therapy, broke therapy, and then I I chose broke therapy. It's great. Yeah, and then so and I remember I had the idea and I went to my friend and back then I didn't have a laptop. I didn't have any equipment. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I early to, days. The early days. And I was that's when I like first moved into the dungeon. Ugh, so I was R&D. I was first off, I was actually really fucking broke. Um and I was really fucking depressed. I have j- journals that are around the same time that I was brainstorming broke therapy that were just so sad. Like mm-hmm. I was I was going through it. So like in order to maybe like the show really helped me kind of like feel excited about something yeah you know it motivates you it motivated me and it made me feel like I could be creative and it helped me like create something out of you know heartbreak and yeah exactly literally nothing I was living in a fucking basement you've been there ah R.I.P. the dungeon good times good times times, though good memories so I remember I went to my friend Lauren and I told her this idea and I said hey like I really want to start this podcast called broco therapy and she was like the first person to ever believe in me oh lauren Lauren. she passed away no i know that's what i'm saying shout out to lauren she was og she was og and she was like yeah let me put it together and so it was me and lauren that like put it together i don't know i'm getting really this is really oh emotional take (laughs) a moment take a time no i mean i think it's so it's such an important part of the story Mm mm-hmm and like, geez, what am I? I feel like I'm crying in every episode with you now. I'm Oprah. <laughs> You're I, Oprah. I know how to make you cry. Um, but she was, I mean, you know, even as someone who came in late in the game, like, mm-hmm. I know of her. You know right. what I mean? And like, she was such a huge part of it. Right. Because she was like, this is going to sound weird, but like the original investor. She invested yeah. in you as a person. She was the first person to, be- to believe in me. I remember telling friends and they're just like, okay what's a podcast yeah right. but she was just like i want to be a part like she was like down for it you like yeah. she literally like there has never been another person that's loved the show like i mean y- y'all love the show thank you but like she but like uh, you know she she's was, og okay? she was like she was willing like she was showed up you know what i mean she came up with ideas she was she was proactive like she was like so hands-on and i could tell that she just loved it you yeah. know and like I loved it too. Like we were we were having such a great time together. And I think, you know, the hard part of just like sharing something with someone is that especially a friend, is that you will disagree. Yeah. On a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. I mean, you just gotta like So ugh, going in business with your friends is really hard. It's also sometimes rewarding, but like it is very difficult. Yeah. And, you know, she wanted one direction for the show and I wanted you know, obviously my direction and she just, you know, we just, we disagreed a lot. And I got to the point where I told her like, Hey, cause I was one, you know, putting in the money, whatever. Um, I said, Hey, um, stick to being a producer or just go. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, fuck you. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time I ever talked to her. And that like that, you know, we weren't friends since then. And it was always like, um damn how do we get here therapy therapy but yeah it just 
she, you know, there's friends that come and go into your life, and she's who. Take a moment. She was always that one friend, like that. You know, I've had friends like leave, and I'm, you know, you move on, and you're like, whatever, it's fine. But she was always that one friend that I was like, I was always mad at her, even though she she hated me more. She she hated she hated my guts. She hated my guts. <laughs> she fine. she was. We she all was, have that one. She friend. like was, and it, that was kind of hurt me that I had like someone out there. You know, especially someone that I was close with feel that way towards me oh girl tell me about it i have that right now really like that friend that got away <laughs> yeah she and you're like friend. i know you hate my guts and that kills me even more yeah yeah it she sucks. hates my guts and i would like alert her sometimes and sometimes she would like kind of subtweet her shit but anyways you know so i was always like oh i just i i was low-key hope that i would run into her or like we would be mm-hmm. friends again you know and like i thought maybe one day we'd get to that point but it just never felt right, even though I always wanted to. And, but she gave you so much. She gave to me get so to much. This moment that's huge, you know. Yeah. And I feel like that's like that's the human issue, the human error, where we just like mm-hmm. sometimes get sidetracked and too passionate and too overwhelmed, and that we just like and I don't know how to handle it. And I, I sometimes I look back and I understand. It's funny because there's like videos of like where I. I was I I was like crazy like just I I was just like my my height of my creativity was just so excited oh yeah you know I was just like I want to do this I want to do this and I'm not you know and a lot of those times those are really bad ideas like we said and I was just like very impulsive like I want to do that I want to do that I want to do that and she was always like oh my god you're so impulsive yeah you know but I was just super excited and you know there's a video of her just being like I don't know you could tell that she was kind of like I don't know. Like, okay, girl. Yeah. Yeah. But I would, because I was just like this young, like, ah, you know, but, um, so yeah, I. Passion is one hell of a drug, man. She, she loved the show. Yeah. She, and she did. She just like, she believed in it, you know, but I just, we just, we just, it just, did, it wasn't a fit. Yeah. And, um, and RIP, she passed away earlier this year mm. and that was really tough. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, like I I give her credit for this starting because I didn't have a laptop. She recorded everything. Mm -hmm. She did all the editing. She, you know, um, she showed up. She helped me arrange it. Like she was like, in those cases, she was honestly perfect, you know, and like she's really the huge core of the show and – yeah, she's a she's a part of this story, you yeah. know. So, I, I, yeah, I, I never I've never talked about it just because it's always just like out of respect. I never wanted to to put her on blast or to you know, I don't know, like just kind of keep that private, you know. But I think that I've always wanted to somehow give her credit, and this is me just being like, "Yo, yeah. this is we're gonna talk about the show and the shit that." That's become what it is today. She's she Lauren is a part of that, I and love you can that. still hear her in the older episodes. Hell yeah! So if you listen to like the really old ones, the first few ones, you could hear her. She's like your OG producer. Yeah. she really left a staple in it. But like and that's important. Creative differences with yeah anything is and hard. what's beautiful is that like what made me feel more at ease is that before she passed, she ended up actually being a successful podcast producer hell yeah so she just went on her own journey okay exactly exactly 
And and I'm sure you probably have heard some of the shows that she's been on. You know, she's worked she's she's worked for big shows. Hell yeah. So she's really in work to you know, um, and she did that fucking thing. Fuck and so yeah. I'm I'm happy that like even though we didn't you know, we're not here today together. I at least broke with therapy at least was like helped her realize what she loved to do. And that's what she ended up doing for the rest of her life. See, and that's like the important thing about like, right. you know, creativity and like, you know, collaborating with people and kind of just leading them right. to you. Like every, again, every person comes into your life for a reason, you know, and it's unfortunate. I didn't know you guys had a falling out. I just yeah. knew that she had passed, but I didn't know. But I she think- hated my guts. She hated but, my fucking guts. But, yeah, and yeah. that's like, that's that's uncomfortable and, un, mm. you know, that sucks. But like, it also then shows how you still want to give her credit and you're still like, yo, I'm not going to lie. She fucking, it, it was because of her and like, she really right. helped me like, you know, collaborate or mold what broke th- girl therapy is today. Right. And sometimes that's what you have to do in creative processes. You just have to be like, yo, thank you so much. But like now we just part ways. Exactly. Like, I'm always going to hold you close to that. Because really what the positive outcome was that was like, she ended up really fucking killing it. Like for the rest of her life, like being a podcast producer and then for me like it like honestly with Lauren hating me and not believing in what I wanted to do you know what direction I want to go towards like it like it like put a fire underneath me where I was like I'm a I'm a fucking Uh, do this shit sometimes rivals do that sometimes like when you have a feud it like like helps I know it does it's fucked up up, but like I use that like you know like even though I wish I would have had at least one more conversation with her you know, yeah. but that I just have to accept that that's just what it was. But like, at least even me, her hating me motivated her to to do what she loves, and she motivated me to do what I love. So at the end of the day, I think that like it was for the best. Yeah, you know? so, everything happens for a reason, and the yeah. it takes a lot of investment and time to sometimes get to the happened for a reason part. Right, right. But yeah, it's important, and I think it's really also. You know, it's shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Y'all know Claritin is literally the most on brand sponsorship that I could get. There's been so many times that people have commented on an episode and been like, girl, blow your nose a little bit. Like you sound real stuffy. Are you good? And all I needed was a Claritin to help treat my allergies. Especially right now when it's springtime, the flowers are blooming, pollen is in the air. Best believe I have my Claritin in my pocket. And I love her. I love my Claritin D because she helps me survive through this allergy season. And honestly just helps me survive in general because y'all know I just have allergies all the time. (laughs) So if you guys are suffering with allergies, I would honestly suggest coming from the allergy queen myself to go and get yourself some Claritin D. Don't make yourself suffer, especially during allergy season. So go get yours, boo. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. 
Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. The thing that's like really funny is that we all know like what it's like to break up with a partner, like a girlfriend or a dude or like whatever. But like there's no books, stories or anything. I'm like the guide to break up with a friend. It's Yeah, it's, and it's, it's a breakup. It's a breakup. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. It is literally a division. Like, you know, unfortunately, my friend, uh, you know, we're no longer friends or whatever. But there was like a division with our friends almost mm -hmm. like they mm -hmm. got that person. I got this person like it was mm -hmm. a divorce, you it know, was, and it yeah. was also a 15 year plus relationship wow. you know and like unfortunately we aren't friends anymore and it breaks my heart like literally every day I'm like man I wish we were friends again right. I have so many successes that I'm like oh, I want to call them up and tell them about it but right. like they hate my guts right now right um I used to hate them for similar kind of reasons why we hate each other but then it you know, we just failed off. And th that was the thing is we both met creatively. Like we were both in the poetry world and we both like have always wanted to go on tour together with poetry. We've always wanted to write a book of poetry together and like all of that's gone. Mm -hmm. But in a weird way, I think it motivated both of us to actually do what we needed to do. Like right. they needed to have their own poetry journey. And right. like I then went into exactly. screenwriting and everything. Because she really wanted to go in her direction that she felt was going to be successful. And she did that. She did that yeah, with it was shows. her, But it was her success. Right. It's not your success. It's, it's exactly. And that's like the thing that I think is yeah. really hard for people to come to terms with is the fact that you will have created differences and right. you will have fights and you will have arguments. Like literally I, I write with my mom all the time. She's my editor. She's someone who I, and me and her like have full on arguments, like where I'm like, no, da, da, da. well, it's more like I argue with her <laughs> and then I literally, like, hey, I know she's not yelling at me, but like, and you know, 90% of the time she's right. But that 10% I hold holds. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm my father's daughter and I'm stubborn as hell. Mm -hmm. But like, even then like creative differences is part of, of the process as well like mm, you're going yeah. to hit those milestones you're going to hit those things where it's like okay we've come to a head it's it's never a smooth ride oh it's never a smooth never. ride success that's the other thing that's like so weird is my friend hollis who's a songwriter and singer she said this really brilliant thing where she was like we always see the finished product but we never see the sleepless nights exactly and like you can see someone like blow up on twitter or instagram or someone posts a song that's then successful and it's like yeah but you don't see the like amount of shitty albums that they wrote or amount of shitty songs that <laughs> exactly. they wrote before like this became the pop hit. Yeah. And that's again, the problem with, you know, um, compare culture and like Instagram. And I think it's very true about, I was literally just had a meeting with my old boss today yeah. and I was talking about how, um, no one really cares about writing, right? Like bear with me. Like the act of writing is a very, um, sad act it's it's just me and by myself you know yeah. but so many people write about writers because we want to be seen we want to be heard but no one asks us like how is your writing it's like how's your writing well they always ask like how's your writing going but like I don't ask a surgeon like how's that surgery going right, you know it's right, like right. We're that one field where people are like how is your writing going? And they never really care about the process. They just care about the finished product. Right, exactly. Like, who are you writing for now? Like, what's like, exactly. What, what do you have booked? Yes. And also it's like this idea of like, whenever I'm like, I'm a writer, someone's like, well, what have I read of yours? And it's like, when I wasn't like who I am today, it would just be like, okay, I haven't, you haven't read it, but I doesn't change the fact that I'm a writer. Like right, that was a huge right. thing. And that's like my biggest advice to anyone who wants to be an actually any, any industry. If you want to be right. a singer, if you want to be 
a writer, if you want to be an actor, like if that's what you want to do or have a podcast, (laughs) if that's what you want to do, just say it, you know, it's, you know, if you're working towards it, you still get to be that person. Exactly. You know, I've always been a writer, even when I was a door girl, even when I worked at a diner, even when I was a nanny, even when I was like a bartender, I was always still a writer. And that's the thing too, is what we're talking about. Like we always say all the time, we went in LA, yeah, hello jobs. You slashes, slashes. I got hella jobs right now. I still have hella jobs. Like COVID has kind of thrown a wrench in it. But even when I was like last year, I worked at this place called The Wing. Fuck The Wing. But I worked (laughs) there and it was like, that was my, it was my, what I called the rent paying job. But I also was nannying and I was also a door girl still. And I had three jobs and I was also writing on the side. So yeah. like I and had you did sneakerheads Netflix and then I did sneakerheads on Netflix and I also did American pie. Like there was those things that I was still like doing my rent paying job. Right. And it's very hard to just be a writer. Like it takes a long time. Like yeah. Stephen King talks about it where he's like, you know, people think I'm just like so successful and amazing. And he's like, there was a lot of years where I was a janitor and I was a teacher mm-hmm. and like he wasn't Stephen King yet. Right. So it's, I always am like, yo, if not in a disrespectful way, but like keep your day job in the sense that like it builds character too. It does. It does. It humbles you. It humbles because you. Because people like, you know, are like they're seeing the TikTok numbers, they're seeing like the show and how much work I'm putting into it and I'm working and but they don't realize that like on Saturdays and Sundays I'm like swift what, what, what I'm what not swifting hair. Is it swifting? I'm sweeping hair. Swifting hair. Swifting hair. Because you work on a salon, not yeah. because you're like a weird voodoo doll maker <laughs> yeah, where it's yeah, like I'm saving your hair. hair. No, like I'm, I'm sweeping hair. I'm doing laundry. I'm folding towels. And you have another nine to five. And I have another nine to five. That's Monday through Friday. Yeah. That's like, but that's a Eight thing. Eight to five. Eight to five. See, and that's the thing. <laughs> but I also am like, I was raised like, like, I think it's also... I think maybe you can touch into this too, like the immigrant child thing. Yes. Where like my dad was a bartender, a carpenter. He could be fix people's cars. Like he just had every single job and he was just always like, it's okay to have as many jobs as you can because it builds character and also it makes yep. you very useful. Yeah. Like the amount of times I've been on a set or like in a writer's room where someone's been like, well, what's in this cocktail? And I'm like, oh, here, let me tell you. I grew yep. up in a bar and they're like, I've literally been hired because of my side jobs. Like I literally just had a meeting where someone was like, my agent was like, oh, they're interested in the fact that you used to be a door girl. There's like this show they want to do. That's like, you know, kind of like studio 54 yeah, or clubs it's or like whatever. Because you're like, you're living in that life and you've, yeah. And literally I have to say as a writer, being a door girl was one of the greatest fucking jobs I ever had because characters literally came to me. Like they were just Ooh, like, here's twenty dollars, and that's then like amazing. Actually, they, these people, like the amount of people who just come the out of to content, me, the amount of content, especially in LA, yes, like the amount of content and the amount of people that would just like come up to me, and I'd just be like, I would literally have my notebook underneath the cash register and just like take notes, and I just like, and those characters do live in my stories now, mm-hmm. and also it helps you because you can go into that world, and like I tell every writer or anyone who wants to be a writer is eavesdrop. Literally just like everything you overhear, write down. It's always funny dialogues. I mean, over now it's easier because of COVID. You can't really eavesdrop. Also, people are wearing masks, so I don't know who's saying what. Right. Um, Which I've realized that it's easier to shit talk when you're wearing a mask. Oh, for sure. Because like they can't reach your lips. Right. But you can kind of talk with your eyes too. Yeah. I've also realized (laughs) that I can have full conversations with my dog and no one realizes that I'm talking to my dog. Oh my God. I'm like, bat, look at that person. (laughs) You know, and we're like judging. Yeah. 
But like, there's a great, um, great account on Instagram, Overheard LA and Overheard yeah. New York. It's like, look on that stuff for writing prompts and things like that. Right, right. Um, but back to the point about day jobs, there's no shame in that. Oh no, honestly, no. There's one. There's this girl that I we're in the same industry and we work together, and she proudly admitted she's never had a day job. And she kind of like scuffed it. Like she's like, I you'll meet those bitches in LA who are hella privileged and got those parents paying for the motherfucking rent. So they could just be just thotting and bopping and just living, being a writer like, or like just a musician, an actor, an actor. And their parents are paying for their fucking rent. And you're like, that also is happening in LA. No shades of it. And here's the thing though. If that's your lifestyle. That's fine. I get it. I would would have that lifestyle, but don't be a fucking asshole. I mean, honestly, I'm very jealous of it, but don't (laughs) act like it's not a privilege. Yeah. Like I'm again, look, I'm going to, God, I sound like I'm shit talking about her, but I am. I'm reading Cassie David, Larry Davis daughter's like (laughs) memoir right now, book of essays. And she like has this uh, thing about her nepotism. And like, she kind of tries to like, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm like, no, like it is nepotism is really uh, fucked up and annoying but as I've learned as someone who's like my parents aren't in the industry I don't my uncle's right. not some famous yeah. producer or whatever my parents, my parents are immigrants my parents I know my dad's an immigrant he don't know nobody except yeah. like weird Irish politicians they ain't gonna do shit for me um <laughs> but one of the things is that like nepotism will get you the job interview but it won't get you the job like there's been many times that I've gone up for something that I know like so-and-so's daughter or so-and-so's son's right. about to be up to it. But I got it because of my humbleness or the fact that I'm like, yo, I had this weird childhood growing up or right. the fact that, you know, hey, one time I, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know if you want me to tell this, but I have a guy friend who got a job because he said that he was the boom operator on a porn Oh shit! And someone was like, "That's incredible!" Like, but that's what you, what you want in a writer's right. room. You want people from all different walks of life that have all different weird storylines, right? Um, but like, there's nothing wrong. But the home, the girl who was like very proud of the fact that she's never had a day job, she's like, "Well, I've only been a writer. I only get paid to write." And I'm like, "Yo, I've gotten a lot of jobs writing, and I've never been paid." Like when I first yeah. started, a lot of like if you're a makeup artist, a hairstylist, shit, even a fucking having a fucking podcast, you're doing this shit for free for free ninety nine. And what was even more annoying is when I lived at home, my parents I didn't really care about saving and money and all that shit. Yeah. I would be getting paid in merch. Like I would get free t-shirts. Like I wrote for a bunch of like fashion blogs right. and like things like that. And I would like get a bucket hat or like a right. t-shirt or whatever. And you know, at the time I was like, this is dope. And now I'm like, okay, this is my resume builder. But like, now you got to pay me. Right, right. Like now you get to a you point You kind of have to like, do the free work until you're like, okay, I have enough experience. You got to pay me. Yeah, you got to pay me. And if you're lucky enough to go to college and everything and you get like internships that are towards credit, like that's nice money in a weird way. Right. Because there's a lot of time where I took internships and I didn't get paid for shit. Yeah, same. Because I also so didn't go to college. So I was like, this isn't for college credit. This is just them taking advantage of me as like a 19-year-old kid who wants right. to I've work at a so venue. I've had taking, I mean, shit taken advantage of and I'm getting paid. I mean, <laughs> like it, it, it happens. Yeah. But I think what's important is that you always have to remember your worth and you do have to remember that you can sometimes, or you need to put your foot down and be like, no, I can't do this for free. Um, someone like, I forget who it was, but someone like posted on Instagram, someone I follow that was like, yo, I'm no longer accepting favors. 
And I just like really kind of liked that where I was like, oh yeah, like I'm not going to do this as a favor anymore. Right, like I'm right. not going to be like, it's a tit for tat thing. Cause I know you're not going to be my tat for my tit. Like right. it's just, you get to a point after so much free labor that you can be like, nah, I got charge for right. this. Oh and yeah. hundred percent. You, and you, yeah. You just got to say it. There's nothing exactly. wrong with it because here's the thing again, COVID has made it realize we all have to pay for rent. We all have to pay for food. We all have to pay for gas. So like sometimes people will be like, look, I can't pay you as much as you think I, you should be paid, but I can give you something. Right. Um, there's been yeah. a lot of times I've gone and I've been like demanded, like I want to get paid this much. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, oh shit, it should have been more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's happened. That's happened to me so many times. I'm like, oh shit. I, I was like, I should have added a zero and a comma, yeah. but nope. I was like, I'm only worth this much. But you learn that with, <laughs> experience yeah. and there's a lot of people in LA who just think that they should get paid without even any experience so they just show up and they're that like, too and I'm like you need to but I, that's what I'm swift saying some hair first. you need to swift some hair okay struggle is not just I think a thing people experience I think it's necessary I think struggle and oh, like yeah. you know this whole idea of like where's rent money gonna come from really does build character like I'm not a hundred percent down for like the starving artist vibe. Like yeah. I don't want to be starving. No, I, I, I want to have a good life still. Yeah. I want to be, you know, it's not broke. I, I want to be broke. you broke. know, like I just want to be, like, I mean, I was at one point starving in my dungeon. <laughs> oh my God. I know. I, I just that's like, that's a different story. That's a different story. But I also know what you mean though. Cause I was like telling my mom about how I was like, yeah, like I was telling her like, there was like a week. I didn't really, I ate just cup of noodle. And yeah. she was like, where'd you get it from? And I was like, I stole it from the set that I was working on. Like, just like yeah, weird, things, like, weird shit like that. <laughs> oh my God. When I was a PA oh. and like, they would have like the crafty, I would go at the end of the day and just like pack yeah, my backpack. I, I lived at the 99 cent store. Oh God. I still go to the 99 cent store. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not yeah. balling quite. Yeah, right, but I did, but like I was getting my essentials. Yeah, you know what I mean. You just had to. You just have to. It's everything's you a dollar. To, you yeah. know. <laughs> but I feel like you know I, I'm I'm glad that I've you know um was kind of my my parents like it's not that they can't give me support um they're just not going to <laughs> you know what I mean um in uh, that capacity I get that yeah and like and honestly I don't want to ask. Like I rather I rather go get my toilet paper at ninety nine cent store versus yeah. asking them for a dollar. No, or, for or, sure. Or for like five dollars to get actual better toilet I've paper. I definitely you know? when I was like um, doing be way better. Like when I worked at Universal Pictures, like it literally, I was like, Mom, Dad, I'm paying for everything, and it was like really nice, and it was able to do that. Um, now since things have shifted, like my parents have been very supportive in the sense that they're like, if you need help, like, let us know. Yeah. But kind of like what you're saying, it's like, I, I feel so guilty and I feel so bad. Yeah. And I think it's the immigrant thing. Cause my dad sacrificed everything for me to be a exactly. starving writer. Do you, do you, do, so do you feel like that your parents being an immigrant or your dad being an immigrant mm -hmm. has really shaped you and your work ethic today? Absolutely. Okay. Cause I realized I've had a, actually a very intense conversation with my mother for the first time in our entire life about about like our relationship how so i know it's crazy because i always talk about how my and my mother's relationship is kind of fucked up and we're yeah. still working on it you know still, still in therapy <laughs> um but one day because i told her i was in therapy and 
choose of course any parent then finds out their child is in therapy they're like oh it's because of me you know like i feel like any parents are like (laughs) obviously yeah yeah. but no she was supportive of it she's just like well but but my mom's also like doesn't know how to be like sweet and uh, empathetic she she just is a very direct like why Mm -hmm. what is it like get get straight to the point you know and i'm just like i just just didn't feel loved you know i'm like crying i'm like i just didn't feel loved and then and one day i went to go visit her i think it was for her birthday and she sat down and was like, you know, I cried when I found out that you felt like you didn't feel loved. Like I, I've only wanted, I've only, I love you so much, mm-hmm. you know? And she's like, and she kind of put in this, my therapist also put in this perspective and my mom and my therapist put, both put in that way where it's like being an immigrant to America, new country, you know, new marriage, new family, you know, new world, new world completely, you know, and being on your own and having to survive. And there's a lot of times people come to America or they move somewhere, you know, like, and they end up going back home. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but, but my mom just didn't want to go back to the Philippines, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And especially because the government there is, I mean, we're corrupt here. Let's be real. But, but to a different to, corruption. To, to, different yeah. corruption. Like to, we can say fuck our government. I know for a fact that our parents can't go back to their homelands and say exactly. fuck the government. They'll be imprisoned. Exactly. They'll be yeah. imprisoned. <laughs> so my mom was like, we have to make it here. So mm-hmm. it's survival mode. Yep. And so a lot of times, especially, I don't know what it's like in other uh, immigrants from other countries but especially in the filipino culture um when you're you know when you're an immigrant it's like you can't have your emotions oh because yeah. it will you're busy you're, you're busy you're surviving. busy but you, you yeah but you don't want to fall off mm-hmm. you know so it's like grind mode like just fucking kill it you know what i mean like just just not save every dollar exactly save every dollar everything like don't have your emotions don't let this fucking get to you don't let the shit break you. Be strong for your kids. Be strong for your kids, for your family. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, you know, she's saying she wasn't, you know, my, I love Poppy. I love my dad. <laughs> I feel like I always got to shame my dad somehow in every episode. But, you know, like I love my dad so much. But my dad is so sweet. He's so just slower. And not slow in the sense He's of tender. Dumb. He's just He's tender. Kind. He's chill. Like he kicking it, you know, like he go with the flow. My mom is a little bit more type A, mm-hmm. so she she felt like she definitely had to have everything under control. Right. So, you know, she wasn't obviously happy in her marriage. She's trying to survive in this world, and she's trying to teach me, you know, how to survive in this world, but she's not showing me love and empathy, and she's, you know, t- back then, she obviously doesn't really know what she's doing. She's just, they're just, they're, they're doing the best they can do. Yeah. That's what we learned. It's like, oh, they're just trying their best. And so she, it, it was very, to learn that, but yeah, yes. <laughs> very militant, very militant. So anyways, it trickles down to like, that's why, because my mom told me, she's like, the, the, the one lesson that I wanted you to take from us and from me was how to make it. She's like, Ooh, I yep. want it. I want you to make it yeah. so badly mm-hmm. yeah and i cried i was like damn like that's why i am who i am that's why oh, i, I yeah. work seven days a week that's why i'm independent oh, that's yeah. why i'm like oh i want to start a podcast i'm gonna fucking make it it's gonna be the greatest podcast ever it's not gonna just be some 
chill pot like we're gonna make this fucking it's not gonna great. be a hobby it's gonna be a living you exactly. know exactly like we're like no matter what i do i'm going to make it great yeah and like it's because i am raised by an immigrant parent i think that's very true i mean like my mom she's from you know montana she's from the states um you know she grew up like you know she was fairly poor missoula montana oh, you know okay that she had a very great humble beginning you know whatever <laughs> and then her 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 my grandpa grandpa bud r.i.p great man he worked on the railroad and he didn't make a lot of money he was away from home all the time but he like also instilled that in my like my uncles and my aunt and my mom was just like you know work hard show up there for your family like he had a really great ethic um on my dad's side like I hate my grandmother on my dad's side. Like her, her, his mom is just one of the worst human beings in the world. I can't wait until she dies. Oh, um, shit. sorry. She's just a horrible human being. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But with that though, my dad always, his family, my dad is probably one of the most successful ones in his, he's the oldest. He's one of the most successful ones, but because of how my dad her, too. Okay. And out of his siblings. Right. But for how awful my grandmother is, like she made him feel like the worst, like he was worthless. Like she was so, she was physically abusive. She was emotionally abusive. Like she was just horrible. She hated my dad, worshiped my uncles and kind of also a weird, like ancestral way. Like she just like loved them way too much. And then just like, was like, no, you're horrific. And like really turned my dad into a black sheep. And so unfortunately my dad was always like, I'm never good enough. I'm never going to be the strong. He never like said those things, but I could always see it growing up that he always wanted to be the best. Mm. He wanted to be the great. And so sometimes that like my sister and I, that cold mentality where it's like he came to America to like show that he can make it and also be like, I don't need my family. I could do this on my own. And my mom like kind of like, in a weird way saved him and just was like, I can show you love. Like I can show you like how to make a family. I can show you success. And like, you know, my parents now own their own business and they're, you know, very successful in their own right. And so for my dad, it was very much that cold thing where there wasn't a lot of, um, emotion Mm -hmm. at first in Mm -hmm. my like childhood. Mm -hmm. Like it was, I had like a, you know, besides my grandma ruining it, like I had a cool childhood. It had its trauma and everything, but for my dad, it's just he really wanted to be the best, you know? And it wasn't until I was, like, in high school that I, like, even realized that, one, my dad liked me because he was just so, like, rigid and cold. Like, I didn't think he liked me. Oh, and yeah. Then, that was my lot. Yeah, and, like, you know, and then it wasn't until I thought I was really into spoken word poetry and I was really into poet and I was going to be a poet. And my mom was like, yeah, go ahead and do that. And, like, my dad just, like, I just think he kind of had this, like, you're going to be a starving artist. Like you're not going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Like I've sacrificed everything. So you can just do this. Like he never said that, but I always got that vibe. Right. So one of those moments that kind of like what you had with your mom was I was 16. I had just won the like Seattle youth poetry slam and Mm. my parents had to like catch a flight. So they weren't, I didn't get to see them. Like they saw me win, but I didn't get to see them afterwards. And then when I got home, there was like a dozen red roses and a sign that says Roseanne is brilliant. And it still hangs above my bed <gasps> in my dad's that. writing. I know now it's like, Oh my God, I'm getting teary eyed. But like, I like everyone who goes in my bedroom is like, what is that? And I'm like, that's the first time my dad was ever proud of me. And like realizing that he was like proud of me and like still to this day is like, he like said, I know I'm tearing up like, because I just want him. Cause he never got to feel that he never had a parent that was proud of him. And you know, as much as like I fuck up and I like make bad decisions and everything like he has now. And now that, you know, with my own therapy and his therapy and stuff, 
we've like learned to like be proud of each other. Like I'm like seeing him, like he hugs me more than my mom does. Like I love K-Dot, but my dad is like, come here. Like I could just be standing in the kitchen. He's like, you know, because he's making up for it. Right. And that like really kind of sparks it. Like I'm doing this for him. Like my mom, she's like, you know, she's my writing partner and my editor basically. Yeah. And so she's just like, my mom's fine. She's great. Okay. She's, we get that. But I literally do this for him. And because of that, I'm doing it the way he did it, which is have hella jobs, never stop, going Mm -hmm. to be the best. I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to support my parents one day. They're going to be able to retire. I don't think my mom would retire though. She's like, she just loves writing and loves her job too much. She's never going to stop. (laughs) But like, just so that my dad would be like, don't be stressing. Right. Because I've watched, I literally watched my dad stress about like, money so fucking much. My mom much. too. Like she would say like, you know, and it makes sense. I mean, sometimes there'd be like no food in the kitchen and she opened up to it. She was just like, you know, I think it was like when my parents, my parents were divorced and separated. She was just, you know, on her own. And she was just like, it's just like, she was just so scared about paying the bills of mortgage that she cared so much about that. You know, mm-hmm. that it was like, to me, I, I just didn't see that. I was like, there's no hot Cheetos in the pantry. I know. Cause we're just ungrateful children right? sometimes. Cause we don't know. Cause we don't have that perspective again. Like what we were talking about earlier in the podcast, where like as a child, you're like creativity. I want to create things. I want to make I wanna things. Play. I want to play, but you don't see the adulting that's happening. The stress that a, a parent is feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, my mom worked, right? Like my mom went to the nine to five. My parents made that choice. And like my dad knew like my wife is going to be the breadwinner. She's going to be making less than her male counterparts. And she was, but they made that sacrifice. And then my dad would watch us. He was a stay-at-home dad. And then he would go be a carpenter. He like, he painted our local McDonald's. And I remember like going to school and telling everyone that. And I was so proud of it. And, like, <laughs> I won't say her name, but someone made fun of me because of that. and was like, your family's poor. And I was like, F you. <laughs> oh my God. I won't say her name. Who is it? We don't have it's to not Jaffer, right? No, it's not okay, Jaffer. Right. It's someone from elementary school. Oh God, no, it's not Jaffer. Yeah, yeah, Jaffer like, gets like this yeah. immigrant mentality too <laughs> with her parents. You oh know? yeah, she gets that. I was like, she wouldn't say that, but just to clarify that people don't like assume. Yes, no, this is like someone from John Muir Elementary School in Mrs. Hughes' fourth grade class. You know who you are when you when I was proud that my dad painted the local McDonald's and you called my family white trash. You know who you is, okay? And you know who I am because I was the only white girl in that class. <laughs> but like, you know, it's just he. Well, like my mom would go to work in the daytime, and then my dad would go do these like you right. know side gigs and yeah. shit, and like would then bartend at night. And like we went with him if my Aww. mom was had to work right. late or whatever. Yeah. So I'm you do that like, and even if you're not the kid of an immigrant and you have parents that are like you know blue collar or like had to like work and sweat and whatever you that it's hard to see it to see your fa- parents struggle. It's really hard financially. But then it also, you got to remember that, like, that's my whole point. Like, I'm doing this, so my dad never has right. to stress about this. Exactly. Um, it's funny, because I was talking to my friend JJ and Tito, and we were like, God, I'm going to be so jealous of my kids, because they're going to have it better off than I yeah. did. And I'm going to be like, man, you don't even fucking understand. Like, you For get sure. things now, no, you I know? No, my kids are going to know. They're, I'm going to humble the fuck out of my kids. I mean, I will, too. But, like... You don't get this money? No, but it's also like weird because I'm going to be like, I know know, they're going to have a better childhood. I'll I'll put put more Cheetos in the pantry for you. But like it's it's that idea that like right now, if you're listening to this podcast and you're creative and whatever and you're struggling and whatnot, you're doing fine. 
everyone's yeah. Especially success. Especially if you're like 23 and you feel like you're oh supposed God. to have it all together. Even if you're fucking 33, 23, 30, like it's- Even if you're 37, because Vera Wang did not become a wedding dressmaker until she was 70, okay? There you go. So like, you're fine, you yeah. know? Like, Oprah- was fired from all her jobs. She didn't get her shit until her late thirties. Like you're, we're good. Like honestly, everyone has their own timeline and it's different for every person. That's important to say. Yeah. Don't look at your social media timeline because your timeline's different. Okay. Like you just have to know. It's not even a chronicle fucking order. It's all. It makes no sense. It's never in. It's, it's all Instagram is the mall now. If y'all had the update. It is. It's a mall. It's a mall now. <laughs> oh my god! I don't want to hang I'm out. I'm a part the of that because I put up my merch. <laughs> that's okay though, because we get a you're gonna buy broke girl therapy merch or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone has their own like path of the way they go about it. You know what I mean? And so just just chill. Honestly, Yo. just chill. Also, you can change your career as many times as you want. I'm pretty I sure. I sure did. Right. And I'm pretty sure that, like, I think, honestly, like, once I'm, like, done with screenwriting, I'm, I want to go teach. I just want to go be a teacher. I would love that. I, I feel like I could see you traveling and teaching. Yeah, I just want to teach folks. I literally want to go to colleges to tell people to drop out of college. Like, that's, like, my <laughs> goal in life. I, like, want to go on tour. Sure. I know I would. But that I'm just, like, because in this time frame in life, it's, like, college isn't everything either. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a very mm-hmm. unfair, privileged institute mm-hmm. that I know so many people are stressing about college debt which is oh disgusting. that's me 100 percent. i feel i just i'm I, why I, did i go to an expensive ass fashion school don't go to fit them y'all don't go to fit them y'all you heard it first um or don't go to college you don't have student debt but you'll still be broke but like i don't have student debt all my debt is like medical I mean, unless shit your parents pay for it but even then like rather just get that and buy a house i Honestly, honestly, if I could have a fucking like, yo, I like that's okay. So that's smart. That's super smart. That's you, better. Sarah Silverman was being interviewed and she said that her dad, she did one freshman year at NYU and her dad said, Hey, I'll pay for your rent and utilities. Like it's college for three years. And then after that three years up, go figure out what the fuck you want to do. But I'll I just would much, give, yeah, it's so much better though. Like just so much better. Except I wouldn't want to be rent. I would want it to be like, like something I could own eventually. Yes. But, well, for him, it's but like, I, well, cause her dad was like, look, I know you're going to be a successful stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. So I'm like investing in this, but yeah. he was like, I'm not going to pay for this college anymore because I don't think you need it. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'm just going to pay for your New York rent, which at that time oh, it's probably super cheap, but like New York rent and utilities. And you just go do stand-up for three years and like, see what happens after that. Yeah. I think that's fucking brilliant. That's brilliant. And I think that if you, the, only reason I think people should go to colleges is and if you privilege be, because my parents yeah, didn't have. I privileged. had to get a loan. I had to get a loan. See, that's the other thing is very privileged too. But like a great way to be like, if you are one of those parents that's like, I can meet you at these increments, right. you know, when if I have to buy your books, like make sure it's books that you want to. But like, I only think you should go to school if you want to be a doctor, a lawyer. I think those should become trade schools, right. like all that shit. But long story short, don't go to college. That's my conspiracy <laughs> theory about life. Don't waste that money. Invest it. going to be like a doctor. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so I'm like, saying. If you want to be a doctor or like, a lawyer, please go yeah. to school. But not a creative. No, not to be a creative. No. Um, Plug yourself. I'm running out of studio time. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's <laughs> online. You can just do online classes, master class. Um, sorry. My name is uh, Rose under, underscore Etta Stone. I will tell you all the things you can do. Learn from college on YouTube. That's kind of like what I did. I just Honestly, read everything. Yeah. yeah. On it, that's, YouTube has everything now. Everything. YouTube University. <laughs> there you go.
And then follow me, Stephanie Megan, or go to BrokeGirlTherapy.com. All that shit is there. And get the merch. Buy the merch. Buy the merch. Buy the merch. Okay, we got to go. I'm okay. over my Bye. time. Okay, bye. Broke Girl Therapy. 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 Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.